What up? Welcome back to Sam Dunks, your weekly NBA show on the Slab Stocks family of card collecting content. I'm your host, Sam. You can follow us on Instagram at Slab Stocks. You can follow me on Instagram at Slab Stocks Sam. And if you're watching us on YouTube, I want you to go down to the corner here, click the little red subscribe button. Then I want you to log out of your account, log into someone else's account, and subscribe for them as well. Uh, that would really help us out. Um, just so you're aware, I usually record these on Monday. They're going to be dropping on Tuesdays for the time being. Um, but because I'm recording it a day in advance, sometimes I'm working with old information. Uh, that happened last week when I said that Ben Simmons was still out. Uh, of course, it turned out that when the show had dropped on Tuesday, that Ben Simmons was declared to be healthy if the playoffs started, which was exactly what I said you know, basically the other way on Monday. Uh, sometimes that's going to happen. Um, so sometimes it might seem like I'm operating with old information, but it's just because I'm recording about 24 hours in advance. Okay. Over the next three or four weeks, I'm going to be recapping the 2019 rookie class. Uh, pretty much just going to be walking through the first round, taking up a, a group of players each week. Um, sometimes I will incorporate a few of the second rounders or undrafted guys and sprinkle those in there too. Uh, this week we are going to be uh, considering only the top seven picks from last year's draft. Uh, starting out with Zion Williamson. There's really not much that I feel like I need to say about him. Uh, his cards have just made the market absolutely explode this year. You know, just skimming through some of his most recent auctions. His raw prism silvers auctioning over $600. His raw base prism just under $200. Anything graded well into the thousands. You know, just crazy high demand for his cards this year. Crazy high prices. You know, everything's really just kind of too rich for my blood personally. Um, but Zion is, in my opinion, you know, quite clearly a generational player. Uh, he's extremely marketable, extremely likable, should maintain sky-high uh, popularity over the coming years. Um, outside of any external forces coming in and changing things, I think his market will continue to build. You know, one thing to mention with him, uh, maybe you've noticed it, but there's a price disparity between his BGS 9.5s and his PSA 10s, you know, for his uh, Prism Silver Rookie cards. And while I do prefer PSA to BGS, I don't prefer it twice as much. Um, you know, right now his PSA PSA 10 Prism Silver Rookie cards are auctioning around 2,800 to 2,900, sometimes even 3,000 dollars. Whereas BGS 95s are auctioning around 1,400 dollars. Uh, part of the reason for this is because the the population report is so low coming back from PSA. Uh, we know that Beckett ships out their cards quite a bit quicker than PSA. Because of that, there's only about 287, I think, under 300. PSA 10s from Zion on the market, uh, which really means that those uh, just have quite a bit more value than the BGS 9.5s. Right now, PSA is shut down. They probably have thousands of these cards sitting in their warehouse somewhere. So in the next couple months, we're going to probably have a couple thousand PSA 10s flood the market. And if that's the case, I would expect the gap between the BGS 9.5s and the PSA 10s to close. I don't know if that's going to be with the PSA 10s just dropping in price due to the the influx of them or if the BGS will grow. Um, either way, clearly Zion's going to be a card to hold into the future. Uh, next player, again, I don't want to spend a whole ton of time on him. That's going to be the second overall pick out of Memphis, Jean Morant, uh, out of Murray State. Love this guy. You know, personally one of my favorite players to watch. Fun, dynamic uh, player on a team that is looking like it's getting really good really quickly. Uh, it is a smaller market, but I do believe it's a pretty passionate fan base. And I really don't think that the market size is going to matter very much for either of these top two players. 
You know, they're both beloved outside of their market as well. Both Zion and Ja have, have widespread appeal, very marketable type of players. And, and really, NBA fans tend to be fans of players over teams these days. So I expect Ja and Zion to soar over the coming years. Um, I love the team. I love the player. I love the retro jerseys that the Grizzlies have been rocking. Really, probably one of the better ones that are out there these days. His PSA 10 Silvers are auctioning around $900 right now. Really not much of a discount since the lockout started, uh, but I do think they're only going to go up from there. All right, that's all on the first two. We already know everything about them. Third pick out of Duke to the New, to the New York Knicks, R.J. Barrett. You know, one of the difficult things in evaluating rookies is you know, most of them just aren't very good because they're rookies, they're young, they're not finished products. Uh, some of the difficulty also is that some of them come into very good situations where they're held accountable and they actually work on their mistakes. Some of the players are on bad teams and they're not held accountable for their mistakes and some of the bad flaws just kind of tend to uh, continue on. Uh, Barrett clearly falls into the latter of those two categories, playing for the 21-45 and 45 New York Knickerbockers. And, and while he really didn't do anything to make them better, uh, he was just put into one of the worst situations that anyone could have been put in around the league. He was brought into a team without really any direction, and even after drafting him, uh, as we assume to be the face of the franchise, they went out and they signed all of these free agents who were just about the worst possible fits to put around R.J. Barrett. That's extremely frustrating. You know, additionally, you know, I think the idea was to sign all these veteran mercenary type of guys who uh, they could play for a couple months and then they could flip at the deadline for, a, for an asset or two. Kind of debatable whether that was ever going to work with the type of guys they were getting, but as we see the season playing out, that just did not happen. And when you're filling your team with mercenaries, none of these guys are going to be all that invested in training up a young player like R.J. Barrett. You know, they don't want him to take their minutes. They are fighting for minutes. They're trying to fight for their stats so that they can earn the bag at their next, uh, their next contract negotiation. So R.J. Barrett, you know, really quite a bad rookie year. Um, nothing that screams that this guy's going to be getting better. Um, but I'm just really trying not to write him off because I think the situation was just about as bad as it could have possibly been for anyone. I still don't totally trust the Knicks to put R.J. Barrett into a better situation and make him the best version of himself, um, but the Knicks have been making moves at the top. You know, they brought in former player agent Leon Rose as team president, um, and they're going to really hopefully start building something with actual vision. The biggest problem with the Knicks, of course, is that their owner is James Dolan, who might be the worst owner in sports, and I don't think that's changing anytime soon, uh, but I am still hopeful for R.J. Barrett. 14 points, 5 rebounds, 2.5 assists as a rookie, which really isn't that bad considering everything else. Uh, shooting numbers weren't that great. 40% from the field, 32% from three. Okay, that's mostly just pretty much bad, but there is still something to work with there. Uh, free throw shooting was awful, 61%. Generally, I would look at that and say, okay, he's just going to be a bad shooter his entire career. Uh, but he does actually have some pretty clean mechanics. He has a pretty nice-looking shot. I'm not a shot doctor by any means, but I do know a broken shot when I see one like probably everyone else. Uh, he has a good stroke, so I wouldn't be surprised if the shooting numbers kind of started to improve as everything else improved around him. Uh, will R.J. Barrett ever be an all-star? I uh, don't know about that, um, but I do think he could become a solid enough NBA regular uh, and be a starter throughout his career. If he stays with the Knicks and he is a starter throughout his career, um, I think that's a pretty good investment. Uh, the market you know, around R.J. as a Nick, as a foundational piece on the Knicks, that would be a uh, desirable card. Now, outside of Zion and, and, R and Ja, there's not a whole ton of graded cards for the rest of this uh, 
this rookie class. So for the rest of the show, I'm just going to be pretty much using the ungraded Prism Silver rookie cards. RJ Barrett's ungraded Prism Silvers have been uh, auctioning around $75. A couple that are up to $100 with the better centering. Uh, that's actually an increase since the beginning of the lockout. Uh, they had been auctioning around $50 to $60 back in the middle of March. Um, so while I'm hopeful for RJ Barrett, I'm probably not buying at the moment. I'm not selling either. I still have, am hopeful for the coming years. Um, if you are looking to invest in RJ Barrett, I would wait until July or August and see if it drops around the $50 to $60 range. And otherwise, just kind of hold and wait and see. Fourth pick out of Virginia. Uh, drafted technically by the Lakers, but immediately traded to the Atlanta Hawks was the 22-year-old DeAndre Hunter out of Virginia. I loved DeAndre Hunter coming out of the draft. You know, I love guys that can play defense well. I love 3 and D wings, and, and uh, DeAndre Hunter was tailor-made to be the type of guy that I really wanted the Milwaukee Bucks to try and just jump into the draft somehow and take. Thankfully, that didn't happen because Hunter's been just not very good. Um, he's gotten tons of opportunities, started 62 games for the Hawks this year, averaged 32 minutes per game, and just really didn't do anything with it. 12 points, 4.5 rebounds, 1.8 assists, really didn't shoot good from the field, 41% from the field, 35% from three on five attempts per game, which is actually pretty decent, especially for a rookie. Um, but that's about the biggest positive for him, you know, for a defensive stopper that he's supposed to be. Only averaged 0.7 steals and 0.3 blocks per game. Really just doesn't defensive, uh, generate any defensive stats at all. And he didn't do that in college at Virginia either. And by his on-off stats, the Hawks were actually quite a bit better with him on the bench. Uh, and that's a pretty large sample size we're working with. Uh, so, you know, it's difficult sometimes separating the player you want someone to be from the player that they're most likely to become. And I really want Hunter to become one of the good two-way wings in this league. I think those are some of the most fun players to root for. Um, perhaps he could still be something approaching that. It just seems much more likely that he's going to become like a Jay Crowder type of player, which, you know, is fine as an NBA player, but for card investing, that just really doesn't get the job done for us. Um, he's not very good on offense. He's not a very good passer. Defense leaves much to be desired. He's 22. He's not super young, but he's young enough that maybe he'll improve. Maybe he'll become something more than that. Um, I understand that rookies will tend to improve, but you know, card investing is a gamble, and uh, my uh, my opinion is he's probably just not going to become much more than an average NBA uh, contributor. His ungraded Prism Silvers are auctioning around $15 right now. I don't know that I would sell. I, I don't know if anyone's really that hard up for cash. So maybe uh, hold and hope for the best. I also don't think I'd be adding at the $15 price. I'm firmly in wait-and-see mode with him understanding that probably most likely I'm going to end up losing most of the money I have invested in him. I understand that a lot of you do like DeAndre Hunter, and I will happily be wrong about him. I like the Hawks. I like Hunter. I really want them to get better, and I want him to be a big part of that. Uh, just most likely, in my opinion, probably not going to happen. Fifth pick in the NBA Draft 2019 out of Vanderbilt, Darius Garland. Uh, similar reasons to R.J. Barrett. I'm a little easier on Garland than I am on Hunter or Jarrett Culver uh, because he also didn't have a very good situation when he stepped into the Cleveland Cavaliers locker room as a rookie. You know, a lot of unhappy veterans on that team, and, and they were really all of them unhappy about the coaching situation. A messy locker room all season that finally culminated in uh, John Beeline walking away in the middle of February. And look, I don't care 
how good you are as a rookie. If you're 20 years old and you step into a locker room of grown men and that's the climate you stop, you step into, it is going to be a struggle for you. And he did struggle. 31 minutes per game, he had 12 points, two rebounds, four assists, only shot 40% from the field and 35% from three at five attempts per game, which is actually the same as DeAndre Hunter. And that's fine. Chid uh, shoot 87% from free throw line, which is good, but he only had 1.2 attempts per game, which is not good. Uh, no matter how deep you go into his stats, you're really not going to like what you see all that much. Um, but he did get a little bit better as the season went on, which gives us some uh, reason for optimism. You know, really did start passing quite a bit more in January and February. 2019, he only averaged three assists per game. In 2020, he was up to five assists per game, and that's a positive sign. Um, another positive sign is his three-point shooting. You know, he sure he shot 35% from three, which is okay. It's good. It's fine. Uh, but what really drove his three-point shooting down was his pull-up threes. He only shot 31% on pull-up threes, but on catch-and-shoot threes, he shot 39% attempt uh, per attempt or 39%, which is good. Um, as the season went on, he attempted fewer pull-up threes, which seems to indicate he was working on his shot selection. Uh, so the Cavs have a, a project on their hands, which really shouldn't be a surprise to us because he only played five games in college. So he played high school, five games in college, and then straight into an NBA locker room. Um, so hopefully, if he's moving forward and he's improving his shot, his shot attempts, uh, he's working as being a creator. You know, two things that did appear to be going on as the season was progressing. Uh, then I think he has pretty good potential still moving forward as an offensive player. A pretty big variance for him. He could either become a, a very gifted offensive point guard or a very low efficiency backup point guard. Uh, personally, I still do like the potential, um, but I'm just being cautiously optimistic. His ungraded Prism Silver rookie cards are auctioning around $20. Um, I think he is worth a flyer or two moving forward. You know, Mostly just holding at the moment, but potentially buying a few as you find some good deals over the course of the summer. The sixth pick out of Texas Tech, winding up on the Minnesota Timberwolves via trade, was Jarrett Culver. You know, on paper, this was going to be one of the better fits in the draft. You know, uh, I was super high on Jarrett Culver coming out. He was known as a really, really good defender coming out of that awesome 2018-19 Red Raider team. Uh, he was described as like a, a cornerback in basketball. He had good timing, good instincts that led to a lot of steals. So I was sold on him personally. The shooting was good his freshman year and then dropped down quite a bit his sophomore year when he was given more playmaking opportunities and kind of a hybrid point guard role. Um, but the thought was that he steps into Minnesota and he's given more of a catch-and-shoot role on that team, that the shooting would uh, bump right back up and he'd combine that with great defense and become a really good 3 and D player. Uh, the results have not been nearly as good as they looked on paper at the draft. Uh, defensively, he has been versatile. He's covered about you know three different positions pretty easily, which is the type of versatility you really want in today's NBA player. Um, but he didn't grade out super well on that side of the ball. You know, kind of a, a slight net negative according to plus minus, which is to be expected for most rookies. Um, but uh, according to on-off splits, he was actually quite a bit better defensively than the other counterparts, which isn't super surprising because the Wolves were one of the worst defensive teams in the league. The problem with Culver remains on the other side of the ball. Uh, he's really, really been quite bad offensively all year. You know, only averaged 24 minutes a game, which you would, looking around that roster, expect him to play more than that, but that's just kind of been how bad he's been offensively, and, and it's understandable. In only 24 minutes per night, he averaged 9 points, 3.4 rebounds, and 1.7 assists, uh, shot 40% from the field, 30% from deep, and, and just a disgusting 46% from the free throw line. So just really, really not good. 
On his three-point attempts, he shot just about as bad on catch-and-shoot as he did on pull-ups. 29% for each. Uh, just really just awful. Um, Playmaking opportunities, he did get more of them down the stretch. The Wolves hand him the ball more as a point guard as their season kind of collapsed. And that's one of the things that people like to point to as a favor, you know, in favor of Culver as an investment. But he just wasn't a creator for his teammates. You know, one of the easiest ways to create in the NBA is on drives. You, know, you drive and you, you kick it to the corner, you dump it to the roll man, or you kick it back up top for a pick and pop three. He had 330-something drive attempts this year and only 14 assists on those attempts. That puts him right in line with TJ Warren and Kelly Oubre. And if you're trying to talk about being a ball handler, a creator, those are not the guys you want to be associated with. So while I think he certainly has potential to be a defensive menace in the league, you really would have liked to have seen a bit more from him offensively, even if he was only a 20-year-old rookie. You know, if the offense never develops, then there's really just not much to see here as an investment. His raw silver rookie cards are auctioning around $15 to $20. But if I were a betting man, which I'm not, um, I wouldn't really be betting on what we saw from him offensively this year. Of course, anything could happen. He is only 20 years old. He is only a rookie. Um, and he did, get a quite, he did get a little bit better in March. Only six games, small sample size, but his shooting improved both from the field and from three-point line. Um, so if you're looking for some reason for optimism, that's it. Um, but the whole body of work over the course of the season offensively was just really quite disappointing. Uh, last guy I have time to talk about today is Kobe White of the Chicago Bulls, pick number seven out of UNC. A bit of an up-and-down season for him. Uh, on the whole, it was 13 points, 3.5 rebounds, 2.7 assists on 26 minutes per game. And he shot pretty badly, too. 39% from the field and 35% from three on almost six attempts per game, which is fine. Uh, pretty streaky shooter. You know, there are some games, like one game against the Bucks, where he was, like, just the hottest shooter on earth. And then most games where he wasn't that. Um, you know, he really was actually scorching as the season came to a halt. After the All-Star break, he had 25 points, 4 rebounds, and 4 assists per game, which is really, really good, especially for a rookie. Uh, he improved as a passer and a shooter in every single category post-All-Star break. Uh, part of the reason for White's inconsistency as the season went on was due to his role just constantly changing. That's due to his, him having probably the worst coach in the league in Jim Boylan. You know, near the end of the season, he was finally starting to get more creating opportunities as they started to separate him from Zach Levine for bigger stretches of the game. And he really started to become a pretty decent creator. You know, from October through January, he was averaging just about two assists per game. But over the last month of the season or so, when he was given more opportunities, he rewarded the Bulls with about five assists per game, which is pretty good for a guy that we didn't know would ever be able to actually create. Now, part of the problem for White is that he does have Zach Levine as a teammate, and they do share quite a few minutes together. Both of those guys' primary mindset is to score first, and I really think that's been one of the primary factors in the downturn of guys like Wendell Carter and Larry Markkinen. I think Carter and Markkinen and White create a really interesting foundation for the Bulls moving forward, but it becomes quite a bit less interesting when Zach Levine is there soaking up a third of the possessions on 32% usage. Levine is a talented scorer, but any team where he's the primary option is really going to struggle. Uh, we saw Markkinen. He was injured this year, um, a lot of the year, and he became kind of bad shooting. Um, Carter just kind of became a stump on offense. He wasn't asked to do anything hardly at the five. Even by the end of the year, he was asking if he could be a four instead, which who could blame him? I really do think that a lot of these problems would 
would write themselves if Kobe White would simply take over as the primary creator, and if, especially if Levine could be traded in the offseason. I do have optimism for the Bulls. We talked about it last week. Uh, since the Bulls are finally kind of riding the ship and clearing out the front office and making some organizational changes, you know, they're trying to restructure things. I imagine a new GM is going to come in and want to get rid of Jim Boylan, hopefully, if they know what they're doing. Um, if they do that, and if they continue building with these young guys, and ideally if they trade Zach Levine this offseason for some piece or a pick or something, then I think these young Bulls will continue to grow together in, in their best roles. And if that happens, I think that Kobe White can really continue doing what he was doing at the end of the season. He's been a train wreck defensively, but offensively there really is a lot to like and with some really nice trends. His Prism Silvers have kind of been off the charts lately, going 90 to to $100 for ungraded, uh, which is a little optimistic for me at this point, but I also don't think we're going to see much drop-off over the course of the summer. Uh, a lot of people are... You know, feeling really rejuvenated about this Bulls team after the front office turnover. Uh, so if you have some, he's clearly a hold in my opinion. If you don't, I'd cautiously try to add a few. Um, really should only be adding raw at this point. There's only 90 PSA 10s on the market and they're going around $500. Uh, so I think you're probably better off to buy some raw and try and grade them yourself. Otherwise, you're paying quite a bit of a premium at the moment for a PSA 10. All right, that's all the time I have for today. Uh, let me know what you think in the comments. I'm sure I'm going to have some negative comments about my takes on Culver and Hunter. And that's fine because these are just my opinions and I reserve the right to be totally 100% wrong. And I'd be totally fine if those guys turned out better than I think. Um, so sound off in the comments on Instagram, on YouTube, and let me know what you think. All right, thanks for listening. Uh, I'll see you next time.